Welcome to the Plant Witch Podcast, where we enter together into the web of life in all of its many seen and unseen dimensions. I'm Erin Schrader, owner of the Rebel Herbalist, and it is my honor to hold this portal to the other world. Let's enter, shall we? week I talked about the love of community as powerful protection against dark forces and having sisters to reflect back to us our goodness and our truth when we forget is a powerful talisman for protection. This week I want to talk about the pitfalls of sisterhood as I have experienced them. There's been a lot written about the witch wound or the sister wound. Lucy Pierce in her book, Burning Woman, particularly writes eloquently about this wound and how it arises. She writes about the fire, the creative fire that bubbles up in women when we are finally seen finally heard, finally embraced by our community. And that fire over the millennia has learned that it has to burn things down in order to make change. And so when our creative fire starts to emerge in community, it can become volcanic and it can burn our sisters and we can burn each other And I have seen this happen so many times in community. And so I just wanted to spend some time today talking about that dynamic, how we can recognize it in ourselves, how we can recognize it in our sisters when it starts to happen, and how we can dance with that fire, walk into that fire in our integrity and in our sovereignty, rather than being hijacked by that fire and burning everything around us to the ground. I was raised by German immigrants. They have been here for many generations, but they still carry with them the survival trauma of fleeing the church after the Reformation. Part of that survival trauma included keeping communities very close-knit and being suspicious of anyone outside the community, anyone different, anyone who spoke differently or dressed differently was suspicious and a potential danger to the community. My family lives in the same 20-mile radius that they settled in, in the late 1700s, mid to late 1700s. And they've kept their community small. So they know everyone and they know each other and they know who's safe and who's a danger. 
My grandma always looked out for the community. She watched the children. She tended the church grounds. She did the graveyard care at the cemetery. She and my grandfather. They always knew what was going on with all of the parishioners and everyone who lived in their little town. My grandma was restless in her worry and in her care for the community. The way that our people looked out for each other included childcare, bringing meals to shut-ins, praying for those who are going through a tough time, and also spreading information to the rest of the community about who was dangerous and who was in danger. And often that message spreading was gossip. Not necessarily factual, but born out of fear of what is different and who is different. This is, in my experience, the sister wound in action. Someone who is different than me um, is an inherent danger, especially someone who seems to be better, doing well for themselves. Their house is very nice. Their clothes are nicely pressed. Their shoes are always clean. That is um, definitely a reason to be suspicious. They must be doing something illegal um, someone's bought them off, you know, there's all this suspicion around people who are doing well. Um, and also if someone's doing poorly, you know, their kids are dirty. That was a big one. Um, or their house is in disrepair. That, that was definitely a reason to be suspicious as well. Maybe they've fallen into drugs or, um, they're just bad seeds. They were bad. That whole family line has some sort of pollutant. That was something that was a frequent belief among my family, that bloodlines were just polluted. You stayed away from those people. Um, they were bad seeds. And so some of these strategies have been developed over millennia as we've struggled to live in agricultural communities where we had to learn to deal with each other and be in close relationship to each other. And that is hard for humans as we attempt to balance our individualism and the community good. This particular struggle, individualism versus the, the good of the community, really seems to be coming to a head in the United States through the, the wide gap between the values and beliefs of our democratic political wing and our Republican political wing. It has been shown to us that the people who are most aligned with one or the other of those parties seem to be most aligned with either the responsibility and the freedom of the individual or the responsibility for the community. And so this is an ongoing struggle that humans have as we try to live in relationship with one another. If we look back a few hundred years into our history, especially those of us who have a European descent, um, we know that in Europe, 
there was, and in other parts of the world, there was this rolling, uh, destroying machine that was the Inquisition and the Crusades and the witch hunts, where the church, in its effort to establish and concentrate power, moved through Europe and destroyed the other, anyone outside of their religion um, and culture. This has been perpetuated by the colonizing powers, also the English, the French, the Spanish. Um, It's also been perpetuated by capitalism. Um, So there have been multiple iterations of this rolling, destroying force. And in our communities who were bulldozed by these forces, there were women who were trying to protect the children and the ill and the infirm and the different, those who could not or would not align themselves with these new powers, the power of capitalism, the power of the church, the power of Western culture that would erase folk tradition or usurp it. So women in their survival mentality got really, really good at sniffing out the other so they could either ostracize them and disconnect from them fully so they would not be considered complicit in in the punishment that would come for the, the person who was not falling in line or so they could protect them. But either way, women became um, really adept at figuring out who was different, who was outside, who was not conforming, who was not doing well, who was doing too well. Um, and then the women became really good at teaching their daughters how to not be that, how to not be too much or too slovenly or too much of a failure, how to be just in the middle, not too loud, but not too quiet, not too beautiful, but not too homely. So the women conditioned their daughters over generations to be safe within this destructive system. And the epigenetics of those strategies and tactics are still very much alive in the modern woman. When we are around another woman who is too beautiful, we can feel like we need to tear her down. And we don't know why we feel that way. Why do I need to tear down this beautiful, successful sister? Well, it's our DNA, our epigenetics are afraid for her. And we're afraid for ourselves for being in relation to her because she'll attract the wrong kind of attention, which could bring destruction to the whole community. When we're around a sister who's doing poorly, she's not, she doesn't look well, her house is in disrepair, her children are not well tended to, we might want to uh, do something about that too. We can feel a real stirring in our belly about um, that sister as well. For the same reasons, she's falling out of the order of things and she could bring the wrong kind of attention to our community. When a sister is on fire with creativity and passion and sensuality and we start to feel that rise in ourselves, that can make us want to tear that sister down because she's bringing danger to us and to our community. Again, all of these triggers and feelings are incredibly subconscious. 
deep in our epigenetics from hundreds or even thousands of years of survival strategies by our mothers and our grandmothers and our great-grandmothers and our aunts and our sisters and our cousins trying to survive the rolling, destroying machine of the patriarchy. And so when we see these things rise in ourselves, they feel very visceral. They feel real and true, and they're connected to our survival strategies and our feeling of life and death. But they are not necessarily true in the current climate that we're in, although it feels more and more every day like they could become true again. So how do we stand in this fire when it starts to rise? When we are with a sister who is sensual and beautiful and shining in herself, and we start to feel the slithering heat of jealousy and envy and the wish for her to fail and the desire to sabotage her, those things rise in us, not because we're bad people, not because we hate our sister, but because we are conditioned over generations to stamp that out, to put that fire out in her, unless it brings on the, the hammer of the ones in power. And then that hammer is indiscriminate. It might vilify her, but it might also come for everyone who was around her. That is what our DNA believes will happen and why we get so afraid of sisters that are shining too brightly. I have seen this so many times in my community of women healers. We come together, we start to build something beautiful, the fire starts to rise, and then we get scared. And because we don't know how to be with that rising fire, we lash out at each other. We don't even know what's happening. We don't understand why we're suddenly so angry, suddenly so competitive, why suddenly we have such a strong desire to sabotage that sister and take her clients. It comes from this fear, this incredible fear of being found out or of being taken out by the forces who would keep us from shining too brightly or from falling too far behind. I've been in so many situations where a woman healer in our community makes an alliance with another woman healer. They start to develop a powerful relationship together. And then one or both of them start to gossip with the rest of the community about information they've gleaned from the other sister in an effort to sabotage that sister. I do not believe these women are bad people. I don't believe that they think what they're doing is wrong. I think that they feel like they're protecting their community but they're doing it in a way that is the shadow of the feminine power. This is the way feminine power has gotten twisted and convoluted in the depths of our psyche in order to survive the brutality of patriarchy. But in order for us to move forward and truly thrive, we have got to alchemize this fire into something that is truly powerful and doesn't undermine each other doesn't lash out at each other, doesn't compete in a way that is toxic and sabotaging. If you want to look more deeply into this pattern, into this fire in yourself, I highly recommend Lucy Pierce's book, Burning Woman. 
Pierce is spelled P-E-A-R-C-E. I suggest that if you are working in creative community with other women and you start to feel this heat, this competition, jealousy, desire to sabotage, judgment, take a step back before you believe those things are real and have a look at how maybe these are messages from deep inside ourselves about what we believe is safe and what we believe is dangerous and learn to sit in that fire without believing that it's true without believing that our sister needs to fail so that we can have success or that we all need to be quiet and small and wear gray or black clothing only no bright colors no red lipstick no swinging of the hips no cleavage showing, you know, all the ways that we've been taught to keep our sisters safe, to keep our daughters safe. When I was working through this wound in my family line, I was visited in a dream by my grandfather, who uh, was a church deacon and um, just a quiet and gentle and very upright man in our community. And he told me that the shadow feminine patterns I was seeing in my own family and in my community came from over pruning the women. He was a fruit orchard worker and he kept fruit trees. And so he used this analogy that really made a lot of sense to him and made a lot of sense to me that as women generation after generation have pruned their daughters and their sisters and their granddaughters, They've kept pruning us back too far. Too much of us has been unacceptable. Too much of us has been dangerous. Too much of us has been cut off and cast away. And in that process of over pruning, we've made our daughters vulnerable to deep pathogens in the heartwood. We've softened in places we should be firm. We've got rot in places that hold our most sacred powers. And the way forward is to let some wildness back in, to stop pruning so tightly, so severely, to let our branches grow long enough that they sway in the wind, to let our fruit be so prolific that it makes our boughs, our branches at risk of breaking and to let that fruit rot on the ground and ferment and create an intoxicating fragrance. To not be afraid of that, the abundance of our beauty, of our sexuality, of our sensuality, to not be afraid of the messiness that we have within us, but to rally around each other, even in our mess, even in our abundance, and lift our whole community as we find ways to be in this power together without competition, without sabotage, without judgment and fear. I believe that this is possible. It has to be.
thank you for joining me for the Plant Witch Podcast. I'm your host, Erin Schrader. I'm an herbalist, a mother, a holistic nurse, and a practitioner of the ancient ways. You can connect with me between episodes at therebelherbalist.com or on Instagram and Facebook, The Rebel Herbalist. Thank you for joining me.